If we can't even settle on a speaker in a timely manner, this does not bode well for 2024. Republicans, get your freaking heads in the game, or we might as well hand this country over to the radical communists now and get it over with. Jimmy Crickets, the show starts now. Well, my fellow patriots, we still don't have a speaker since a few members of the brand new House majority are already pissing it down our legs and can't seem to see the forest through the trees. And you know what? I get it. McCarthy wasn't my first choice either. We as Republicans and more so conservatives don't exist in a monolith like the Democrats. We don't just ride or die our party off a cliff in the name of unity. Yeah, I know. I've heard it all and I'm very well aware. But if never Kevin, then who? Jim Jordan? Yeah, that would be great, but why did y'all just start advocating for this now? What about two months ago so we didn't end up with this clown show? I mean, really, you want to just give the gavel back to Nancy or that Hakeem Jeffries fella? Will that make the holdouts feel better about themselves? Because I got to tell you what, this strategy ain't working. And while some in the party might think they are sending a message to the American people about values over party or independent thought and maverick spirit over lockstep uniformity, the message they are really sending is that Republicans can't get their crap together and if Republicans can't even select a speaker in a timely manner, how can they govern the single area of the federal government they were lucky enough not to lose? The Democrats love this and are still loving this, by the way. They're already picking out Dementia Joe's suit for the inauguration in 2025 at this rate. Because if we can't even pick a speaker in a somewhat unified, somewhat cohesive manner, how the hell are we going to pick a nominee and then a president? And I hate to remind all the holdouts of this, but this is not unlike what the never-Trumpers pulled on Donald J. Trump leading up to his nomination and then election. Is this going to be a wasted virtue signal that advances zero conservative accomplishments? I mean, likely so, even if it was done in the name of wanting a more hard-nosed conservative to have that gavel. We are on the verge of taking the only opportunity we have to show the American people and voters we can make their lives better and letting it trickle right on down our legs. And again, I say this as someone who doesn't like Kevin McCarthy. But up next, he's the former acting director of ICE. But when it comes to the invasion at our southern border, he's far from retired. Tom Homan joins me next. What you're seeing there is just a small fraction of folks still on the Mexican side of the border readying themselves to cross over into our country undeterred. You know, I feel like a broken record talking about this because it's getting worse every single day and every single day Fox News and Bill Malusian report on it, but still nothing changes and few seem to really care. And the sad part is soon y'all are going to have to care because you're not going to be able to avoid it. It's not going to be in some small border town in Texas or Arizona. It's going to be on your doorstep. It's going to be impacting your communities, your kids' school, and it's going to hit you square in the nose when you finally have to start caring. Did you know ICE deported 72,177 illegal immigrants from the U.S. in fiscal year 2022, well below the numbers under President Trump when illegal crossings were at a small fraction of what they are now? 72,000? Are you freaking kidding me? We've got triple that plus coming in every single month. So it's not just so-called asylum seekers, it's criminal aliens wandering the streets and bouncing around the shadows because no one that can do anything about it seems to give a damn. Joining me now is someone who does give a damn, former U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement Acting Director Tom Homan. Tom, I know you got a lot to say on this. I wish the country cared more, but I know that people like you are making people care to the best of your ability. But I want to start off 
with uh, your, your old place of work, ICE, because those deportation numbers, I mean, that isn't really even making a dent, is it? No, it's not. The Secretary Mayorkas, you know, when he testified, I've seen him numerous times saying that recent border crossers, criminals, and national security threats are priority. Now, he said recent border crossers. So let me prove that being a lie. As you said, at the same time we have historic illegal immigration on the border, ISIS had the lowest number of deportations in the history of the agency. Just this past week, ICE released a yearly report, and they said in, in the and the furthest of transparency, that's how the report starts. But understand, there's no transparency. The report that we produced for 15 straight years was torn apart on the, by the Biden administration. He redid the report in such a way that he can hide the truth. For instance, ISIS, uh, the report says they, were, they had 143,000 arrests. They had 143,000 at-large arrests. But if you look at it, almost 100,000 of those arrests were made by the Border Patrol. They weren't made by ICE. ICE just merely processed. And look, I understand that Christ, a lot of ICE agents are down on the border, but let's take all these family groups that come across. I've been saying for years that nine out of 10 won't win asylum. They clearly don't qualify. They just take advantage of the loophole, get released to the United States. Half don't show up in court, half that does, 90% lose their case. Syracuse University Track just came out with, a, with their study last week, and they came out with exactly what I've been saying. 93% of these family units coming across have failed. They've lost their case. Now they'll be ordered removed. Is How many of them have ICE, out of the hundreds of thousands that have been ordered removed, how many are ICE looking for? Zero. I, I talked to my friends at ICE. They're not even looking for them. So again, the Biden administration line. And look, I'm not saying anything bad about men and women of ICE. They want to do the job. But the secretary is not allowing them to do it. So it's, it's a sad day when this country is under such historic illegal immigration crisis that ICE can't arrest and deport. Because remember, the secretary also said it's not being in the country illegally on its own is not enough for ICE to make an arrest. That's the worst thing you can say during a historic crisis. More people going to come. So, look, the men and women of ICE, there's no morale. You know, I used, you know, I ran the agency. I was proud to run the agency. You've got 20,000 men and women who are not allowed to do their job and are just plain miserable because of what's going on, because they have to send more resources to the border to help process these recent entries. Less criminal aliens are being arrested. Less fugitive operations are happening. You've had some fugitive operations right now. That's not happening anymore. So people need to understand this border crisis not only affects security at the border, less criminal aliens inside this country are being arrested and deported because half of ICE is down at the border and the other half of ICE is sitting at their desk not allowed to arrest people. Yeah, you know, I, some years ago, did a ride-along with ICE in California, and this was during the Trump administration when things were much, much better in terms of crossings and in terms of detentions, deportations, all of it. And even then, being in a sanctuary state, I was with these ICE agents, and they had to essentially beg the criminal aliens to come into custody. I mean, it was really something to watch. But I have to wonder, we talk about the FBI, the DOJ, and a lot of these other government bureaucracies, these institutions, these organizations, and it feels like they are being infiltrated from within with bad actors, people within the organizations, not the men and women on the ground, but people within the administrations beyond just Mayorkas that maybe don't want the best for our country. Is that the same situation with some of the folks over there at ICE and leadership positions? No, I don't think so. I think that the you know the vast majority of ICE agents want to go out and do their job. The problem is the people that make the policies. For instance, the ICE uh, 
priorities memo that says, you know, they can't go arrest most people they can arrest. It took 90% of people they can arrest off the table. That was, you know, I wrote priority memorandums throughout through my career, but you know who wrote that priority memorandum for ICE, a federal law enforcement agency? Who wrote the memo saying what they can and can't do? Her name was Esther Oliveria. She was an immigration activist out of Miami. She was at the White House as an immigration advisor. And they sent that priorities memo out, but the White House wasn't smart enough to, to clean the metadata. So when I got my hands on that memorandum, I, I simply went into the metadata and seen who wrote it. Esther Oliveira's name was all over it. So here's a federal law enforcement agency in charge of enforcing federal immigration law, and you got an immigration activist civilian who told them what they can and can't do. Now, I've never seen that in history in my career of 35 years. So I think ICE, the vast majority of men and women want to do the job, but it's the people, the, the policymakers and the politicians that come in that don't know anything about immigration enforcement, writes these policies, and Esther Oliveria obviously wrote something that she favors, no Im immigration enforcement. Tom, next thing I want to ask you, because you hit the nail on the head with these asylum seekers. Now, the leftist mainstream media, the Democrats, they get away with a lot of the conversation about what's happening at our border by calling these people just asylum seekers, and they are legal. And you and I have talked about this so many times. Not only are these not legitimate asylum seekers, they will lose their cases if they actually show up in court, but how do we get rid of this terminology that so many people are hiding under? Because that seems to be our biggest issue. You know, I've been calling that out for hell years but the problem is tommy is that we're the only network talking about it right every other network's not talking about it. they call them asylum seekers and every time they say that i said well yeah well you may call them they're seeking asylum under fraudulent pretenses because nine out of ten don't qualify that's the bottom line and and what's really sad is that what they're doing these okay they, they argue this they have a right to claim asylum it is legal for them to claim asylum but, you know, AOC, the moron she is, I had explained to her during a, a congressional testimony, entering the country is illegal. So if you want to come claim asylum, go to a port of entry and do it the legal way. But nine out of ten fail. And not only that, the, the people that have said they have the right to due process, they need to be asked this question. Because I've asked it and they won't answer me. If you really believe in due process, you really believe you have the right to claim asylum, then you do you accept the decision from the federal judge? Because if you don't, then you don't believe in due process. So I don't want to hear the words again. Because here's the issue. They know by looking at the data, 9 out of 10 fail. 9 out of 10 get order removal. Do they support the removal of those people to the United States who had due process at taxpayer expense and a federal judge ordered them deported? Do you support that decision? Because if you don't and you put roadblocks in that process, then you really don't believe in due process. You only believe it if, if it favors you. If, if due process follows the rules of the law, the statute that Congress wrote and enacted, then you don't believe in due process. So that's a question I, 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 I beg congressmen to ask Secretary Mayorkas during hearings. Okay, so 200,000 family units lose their, lose their case this year. You agree I should look for those family units and, and remove them. That's the question needs to be asked and see what he says. I'd be shocked at his answer. But that's the problem with saying they're asylum seekers. They believe they have the right to be released in the United States. But they don't believe the judge has the right to order them removed. They don't believe ICE has a, the, the right to find them and remove them and execute the order that was issued by a federal judge. And, we're, and ICE is the only law enforcement agency, federal law enforcement agencies I know of, that are told to ignore judges' orders. Yeah, that's what's so frustrating for so many of us out there that do somewhat understand the way this system is being worked. And it is being worked. 
by the people coming over, by the bureaucrats that want our border to be overrun and want our country to be overrun, what their motivations are. I mean, I'm sure that there are many. I can't seem to figure them out, but I'm sure that they have a lot of motivations behind it. There has been a lot of talk, though, about Title 42, and I want to know your take on it, but I want to give you mine first. Although I hope that Title 42 stays in place for as long as it possibly can, it frustrates me that that is the bare minimum that we have at our border, that we're just begging, we're clamoring for that one little statute, that COVID-era policy to remain in place. But eventually it's going to expire, and then what's going to happen? All these people that are just advocating for that to stay in place, what is their next move going to be when it eventually expires? I don't know how much worse it's going to get, and if it could get any worse. I'm with you 100%. I've been saying on the network for the past month that Title 42 is not the end all the be all. It's, it's, getting Title 42 extended is not a big win. And why isn't it? Because this administration from day one carved out entire populations that don't qualify under Title 42 in their opinion. So, you know, the CDC ruling, either we have COVID or we're not. Under President Trump, we pushed everybody back on the Title 42. Can we take COVID seriously? This administration from day one said, well, not family units, uh, not unaccompanied alien children, and not adult males from Nicaragua and from Haiti and from Cuba. Because you look at the data, here's what the data says. I, I told a lot of Republican congressmen up here who are fighting for Title 42. I said, no, fight for Remain in Mexico. Fight for border security. Because Title 42, if you look at Biden administration has done, they have released more people into the United States than they returned under Title 42. Right. Now, if they're forced to keep Title 42, here's what's going to happen. He's going to carve out other pieces. He's going to carve out other populations that don't, in his opinion, don't qualify. So fight for something worthy. And that's why I, got, I, I called out the 18 Republican senators who signed the omnibus bill. I mean, you go onto the border, you have the cameras there, you see what a horrific situation this is. People are dying. Fentanyl's coming across from Americans. This has to be stopped. Then you vote for an om omnibus bill that gives zero money to border security? So, you know, it, it, I'm asking the Republicans, step up and get something that actually secures the border and actually saves lives, not just U.S. citizens, but migrants. Under Joe Biden, almost 1,700 migrants, 1,700 migrants have died on U.S. soil, a record by far. So don't tell me his policy is humane. His policies are killing record number of Americans and record number of migrants. I always ask my immigration guests this question because I'm curious to know what your thoughts are. I touched on it a little bit briefly earlier, the motivation behind all of this. I know that the large majority of Americans don't seem to care about the run on our border because a large majority of Americans don't understand that's happening if they don't watch Fox News or pay attention to any conservative media because we really are the only ones covering it. But our lawmakers, the Biden administration, Democrats at large, what do you think the motivation is for them to continue this wide open border policy? Let me answer the first part first because it's so important. For the people who think illegal immigration is no big deal, when you cause, and I don't care what their opinion is, but when you cause a crisis this big, Tommy, and you've been down there, almost 80% of agents have been pulled off the line to process. What's your repercussions of that? Record fentanyl comes across to kill 100,000 people because Bordeaux can't seize enough because they're not out there. Record amount of women and children in sex trafficking. We've had more sex trafficking investigations the last two years in the history of the agency. Because why? Because Border Patrol agents aren't out there to stop it. Third, no one suspected terrorism. The Border Patrol has arrested 117 people on the, north, on the, on the uh, suspected terrorist watch list that tried to sneak in this country. We got 1.2 million gotaways because 80% of the Border Patrol is not there to arrest them. 
How many of those are no inspected terrorists? So I tell these people, I don't care your opinion is illegal immigration, but when you cause a crisis this big, it's a public safety crisis, a public health crisis, it's a national security crisis. You got to look at that. Now, as far as the, the, the reasoning, I say this. I ask every Democrat I ever talk to or, or, or testify in front of, why don't you give me one downside? Give me a downside, ma'am or sir, on having a secure border. What's the downside unless women being sexually assaulted by the cartels? What's the downside unless migrants drowning in the river? What's the downside unless fentanyl coming across this border because the border is secure and more agents are on the line? What's the downside unless Americans dying from fentanyl that flows across an open border? What's the downside of a secure border? There's only one reason they're doing this, because they see a, a future political benefit out of doing this. And people say, well, all these millions become Democrat voters. I don't know. They don't have to become Democrat voters because what Joe Biden also did after he signed the 90 executive orders abolishing everything we did to give us the most secure border in my career, what else did he do? He overturned the Trump census rule, which means millions more people will be counted in the census in sanctuary cities, which is going to result in what? More seats in the House for the Democrats. They perceive a future political benefit from doing this. And I tell you, I was, I was in Texas about six months ago with, with probably 30 Texas Republican congressmen. And I gave him remarks at a dinner. I said, look, if you don't pull your heads out of your butts real soon, you're not going to win another election in 15 years. The Democrats are playing the long game, and you're not playing the game at all. So I'm hoping with new leadership in the House that they start taking border security seriously because, again, I don't care what their, what their opinion is on illegal immigration. How about, the, how about the dead Americans? How about the dead migrants? How about the women that get sexually assaulted every day? I've talked to girls as young as 10 years old, Tommy, in, during my career that were raped multiple times by cartels. I felt dying children in my arms. Enough's enough. At what point is this border issue enough that we can all join together and see secure border saves lives and we should be securing it? It does. And again, Democrats usually operate off of feelings and emotions and things on the surface level. So for them, just letting people come into our country for a better life looks good and it sounds good if you ignore all the realities of what that actually means for the migrants coming over and then for the Americans that have to deal with it. So again, everything is based on misinformation or no information going to a lot of Americans. Unfortunately, Donald Trump seems to be the only politician that we've had that was able to make the border an issue and a big issue. In fact, an issue that a lot of his voters voted for him specifically because of Build the Wall. And you're right, I've been down to the border under the Trump administration. And during the last couple of years of it, I mean, I would go out with Border Patrol and we wouldn't see really anything. And that was a happy sight to see, I'll tell you that. Last thing I want to ask you, there's a lot going on in Congress right now, and there's a lot of expectations for Republicans, but we also know that we have a slim majority in the House. We don't have the Senate. We certainly don't have the White House. We fight an uphill battle. What are things that our House majority, that our Republicans can actually do to make some kind of progress on securing this border? First of all, they need a legislative border security bill, one that's serious. And I do some work with the Heritage Foundation. We sent them a road back to do it. Now, can they get it through a legislation because the Democrats? Probably not. But what they can do, Tommy, oversight hearings. What they can do is impeach Mayorkas because those two things together are going to bring out a lot of evidence. So you have oversight hearings. I already talked to people on Hill. I'll help you. I'll tell you who to subpoena. I'll tell you where to find the information you need to subpoena and what information you need to subpoena. I know the bodies that buried it this for 35 years. Once you present that evidence, to even the Democrat side of the House, 
24 Democrat lawmakers are up for election in 2024 in tough battleground states. You spend the time showing them evidence during oversight hearings, evidence that can't be refuted, and they have to make a choice. Now, am I going to accept that evidence we got to fix this border, or am I going to keep playing this line the border is not secure? They're up for a tough re-election in states that Donald Trump won. So I think having oversight hearings will bring some of the Democrat Party over once they see the evidence. I think the American people, more people are going to be watching the hearings and then watch, you know, unfortunately watch just one network. The more evidence we present during the oversight hearings, the more people are going to be convinced this is a bad thing. It, it, it's not just about immigration anymore. It's about national security. Look, I, I, I've said this and I'll say it over and over again. What's happening on our southern border right now is the biggest national security failure of this country since 9-11. I don't know how many terrorists have got away over that open border, but someday we're going to find out it's going to be a bad day for America. No, it absolutely is. And unfortunately, sometimes it takes reality hitting and hitting hard for people to finally wake up. But then when that happens, if it does happen and it's going to be horrific, then everybody will point at each other and no one will look at that southern border and no one will blame it if we do not do a good job at messaging it. So I would encourage folks to take a page out of Donald Trump's book, whether they love him or they hate him, and make the border an issue because it's a winnable one. He proved it. You just have to be tough on it and you can't flip flop with the wind. Tom, thank you for everything that you do and bringing this to light and always on Fox News telling the people what they need to know and arming people with so many great talking points. I'm going to use a lot of them that you just mentioned. Thanks for all you do, and I hope to talk to you soon. And thanks for what you do, Tommy. Stay in the fight on this. You, I, I hear you speak about this a lot. You're on the money. You hit square on. Please don't stop because uh, we need to keep telling the story. Absolutely. You're right. Immigration, to me, is the number one issue in this country because if we don't have a secure border, we have nothing. Tom, we'll talk to this you soon. Let's put it this way. Our southern border is more of a national security issue than Ukraine is. And, yeah. and it's 100 miles away. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you on that one wholeheartedly. Tom, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. You got it. Thanks, Tommy. All right, folks, I'm annoyed with the Republican Party right now, but it could be worse. I'll tell you why and how, because my final thoughts are next. Fellow conservatives, I know these last few days may not have been our best and brightest, or at least that's how it appears to the Democrats and much of the rest of the country, but allow me to try to put lipstick on a pig here and deliver the silver lining to our somewhat embarrassing start. It's time for Final Thoughts. Okay, so the messy elephant in the room, or should I say the entire U.S. House, is that our first couple of days at bat with our new and albeit slim majority have been a little rough. And y'all know I've been hard on our Republican leaders for it too, because the mainstream media and the Democrat hacks make us look bad even when we look good, so the last thing we ought to do is do the work for them. But still, as somewhat embarrassing as our start was, let's not forget what the other side is working with. Ladies and gentlemen, you're a new senator from Pennsylvania, Giselle, I mean, John Fetterman. The man is completely lost, and while I feel badly for him, I'm also reminded the Democrats are truly shameless because they are so united and so tied to their own lunacy, derangement, and need for control and domination, they will even rally behind a man who can barely form a sentence and doesn't know where he is, where he's been, or where the hell he's going. Okay, make that two men. And speaking of, the Democrat Party is reportedly edging closer to putting up Biden as their nominee in 2024, even given his current state. Let that sink in. The Democrat machine is so powerful, and they know it, they would seriously consider running Dementia Joe again 
so he can continue to be their puppet even though he's clearly unwell. So that being said, look, I'd like to see the GOP get more unified and less individualized, but at the end of the day, I'd take even our skunkiest skunk or our snakiest snake over anything the other side has to offer. Folks, it could be worse. We could be Democrats. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Hope that made y'all feel a little better. And now back to herding cats. Those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care.